Today's podcast is with Shane Cox, pastor of Take Hold Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I just wanted to let you know of a couple disclaimers. First of all, my voice was pretty gone during the interview, so you'll have to excuse that. And about halfway through the interview, something happened with the audio device. So the second half of the interview, Shane's audio does not sound all that great. But we still salvaged it, and we wanted to bring it to you and share it with you. So I hope you enjoy it. God is definitely not someone that is being preached about in most churches. We tend to think that there is only A and B with God because there's only A and B with us. God's a lover and he's a forgiver, but I think a big misconception is that that's all that God is. God is as just as he is loving. Our minds can't even comprehend how great he is, how big he is, how fast he is. And the Bible tells us that he loves us, he is love, but the Bible also tells us to fear God. He's not our BFF. God is someone that loves us so much that uh, he will remove things out of our life that we hold on to. You do not define God. I do not define God. God is self-defining. God is not a matter of opinion. All right, this is the Let God Die podcast. This is Josh. And this is Calvin. What's up, guys? And we're joining Shane today. He's a pastor of Take Hold Church in Grand Rapids. Um, Shane, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself Sure. First of all, I want to say uh, it's a privilege and honor to be sitting across from the two of you, and um, I, I'm humbled by it, and uh, I appreciate that you asked me to do it. Um, yeah, my name is Shane, and um, that's a big question, but I would say the short answer would be um, I'm really nothing but because of Christ I am something and um, he is my Lord and Savior and I just want to be his humble servant and I'm proud that Christ is my king and I'm humbled that he would actually invite me to be an active participant in his great mission to redeem the world and so um, I'm a I'm a lowly humble pastor on the west side of Michigan and I just want to um, invite people into a, a place of sanctuary and ref, refuge no matter who they are or where they've been where they think they're going and um, yeah so pastor of Take Hold Church um, I've been a husband to my wife Heather for 17 years and we have two awesome kids my son is 12 and my daughter is 10 and uh, we've been a part of this ministry for um, seven years. So one thing that I'm always intrigued by, and I guess reminded, is that pastors are just people. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of the time it's easy to think of like musicians or people that have some type of like platform, I guess you could say, as like superhumans. I don't know. Um, what was kind of like the trajectory for you? Um, into like getting into ministry and becoming a pastor? My baptism by fire into ministry happened in 1999 when my wife and I were attending a small Baptist church in Southern California. And the pastor came up to us one Sunday and he said, hey, we have five kids that go to this church and they need a youth pastor. We want you two to do it. And it blew me away. I was like, I'm not, this isn't me. But at the same time, we looked at each other, my wife and I, and we said, you know, well, give us 30 days to pray about it. And so we did, and we came back and we said yes. And so we just took those five kids and, um, you know, jumped into their lives and invited them into a space that was safe. And um, that was kind of like the beginning of ministry, quote unquote. But um, after that, just continuing in youth ministry in California. And then I really was struggling with some things theologically. And I asked my wife if she would allow me to go to seminary to get some biblical training. And, and she said yes. And we moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan to attend a seminary. And it, seminary isn't required for ministry, but for me, it helped me to iron out my theology and what I was thinking biblically from where I came from and how I was raised. After seminary, uh, we were just 
asking ourselves, what are we going to do with our lives? I don't want to put a, a resume out there on the internet. I want it to come from relationships. So we said, well, we have this little apartment on South Division in the Heartside District of Grand Rapids. Let's just start inviting our neighbors into our home on a Sunday night. We have a crock pot. We have scripture. Um, and we began to just pray with each other and read scripture and hang out. And so that was in the summer of 2009. And we've been doing this ever since. So straight up just started out of out of your house? Yeah, yeah. Be, having to be a tent maker and having jobs on the side and... You know, it was a struggle, but we knew that it was a struggle worth fighting for. So um, it was evident in just our prayer saying, if you want this to happen, God, you're going to have to do it. And you're going to have to make it happen because we're just going to be here and we're going to be ourselves and we're going to um, allow you to do whatever you want to do. And, and he was faithful as we as we gave him a mustard seed of faith. He said, I see that mustard seed of faith and I raise you 10. I raise mm -hmm. you 100. And it's been really cool to see his faithfulness as we have tried to be faithful. So, uh, so when you bring up, like, uh, when you were asked to be a youth pastor, like, you said, that wasn't me. Like, can you expound on that? Like, what did you mean by that? <clears throat> when I was around five or six, I was in a doctor's office in the waiting room with my mother and my young brother. He was probably one or two at the time. And... My mom asked me, well, Shane, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a pastor. And she said, oh, Shane, pastors don't lose their jackets. Because that day in elementary school, I lost my new jacket. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so it was early on, it was like, I would really love to be a pastor. Maybe it was because my pastor dressed awesome, you know, in his three-piece suit and boots and his slick hair and horned rimmed glasses. But, I mean, I think that was early on, there was there was maybe a, a calling, if you believe in that, um, on my life, but I, but I ran away from it. And so I, I won't get into all the details, but from like 12 to 24, it was just me running from whatever I believed God wanted from me. I wanted to do my thing. I wanted my way when I wanted it. And the world was a big, huge, awesome place to explore. And I dabbled in things that I look back on and I ought not to have dabbled in. But if we believe the text that all things work for good, for the purpose of God, in Romans 8, I think that I would say even in my darkest hour, it was um, transformed to be used for the honor of God and glory, His glory. So anyway, um, I just mean that I was coming out of all of that mess. You know, I was newly married. My wife was a new believer. And it was the first time that I was confronted with perhaps the reality of an initial early calling that was upon my life at age five or six so i, I was saying man I don't, I don't know if that's me i don't know if if god can use this it's too broken and um i think that's where god steps in and he says i can make something beautiful out of this brokenness and if you just trust me then i've got you yeah i don't know if you're familiar with that quote but uh you know that god doesn't call the qualified but qualifies the called you know and that's yeah. true life that's something that yeah. i don't know that resonates with me all the time where amen i mean so many times that like just opportunities have come up to do things with like ministry or whatever like dude like maybe in the future that's something for me um but i don't know just recognizing that like what god calls us to like he's going to take care of those details you know like I mean, I think I always knew that, but it was still didn't register, you know? It was like, yeah, he can call, you know, dirty fishermen and say, come and follow me, and they drop their nets, but, you know, who am I? Yeah. You know, I'm no Peter, I'm no Paul, I'm no John, but, you know, um, we can be. So can you walk us through a little bit about, like, uh, how you came to Jesus? I'll start with my parents, but it will be short. 
Um, they were high school sweethearts. And right after high school, they got married. And then my dad got drafted. And then uh, it was the Vietnam era. He was an MP, military police. He got deployed, and my mom went with him. And um, they were stationed in Germany. And my they didn't know Christ at the time, and they just kind of lived their life. And my father ended up um, just carousing on the weekends and had multiple affairs. And my mom, uh, she got caught wind of it, and she... She said, I'm done, and she moved back to the States and and divorced my father. And then my father came home on leave, and they got back together and hooked up, and I was conceived. And they said, well, let's give this another shot. And so they got remarried, and then they both came to know Christ as their Savior wow. around that time. and. It's something that you don't really hear that much about. Uh, you don't hear that that often, you know, that people get divorced but then get come back. And I think that was um, a beautiful picture of even though they didn't put their faith or hope or trust in a God or Jesus, for that matter, um, he was still working on them and restoring the relationship. And so after they got saved, if you will, they started attending a little Baptist church on the east side of Michigan. And it was a, I can say it, it was a legalistic, fundamental, independent Baptist church, Bible-thumping, you know, whatever comes to mind is probably in there in the stereotype. But it was exactly what they needed to come out of a a culture and a lifestyle of chaos so I was born into that church and I attended the school that was attached to that church and I was probably at that building you know Sunday through Friday twice on Sunday and two times on Wednesday for either school or worship and that experience gave me a firm foundation on in biblical truth I alluded to it a little bit but by 12 it was like I learned early on how to wear a mask in two different worlds I could be one person outside of the church and school and I could be another person the person that they wanted me to be inside the church and the school and I just learned how to be a chameleon and um, so dabbling with things early on um, around 12 but I'll, I'll still go back and I'll say that when I was five years old coming home after church I asked my dad how to be saved and he pulled the car over on that dusty road and he told me how to make Jesus my personal Lord and Savior and then at seven I was baptized in front of the Baptist congregation there so maybe perhaps we can argue you know once saved, always saved, eternal security, whatnot. I would say that my commitment or my words at five and my demonstration of baptism at seven, it was something real. And I think that that's what was um, part of God's great grace in my adolescent years. Um, he was, even though I was running from him or thought I was, I believe that God always had a hand on me. And sometimes maybe it was a hand, sometimes it was a fist, and sometimes it was just a pinky. But his hand was still in my life, and I can look back on that and say that's true. But it wasn't until I was 24, and I hit my rock bottom, and I know that rock bottom is different for everyone. But I was definitely at a place where I was. it was not a good place. And so I heard that there was a an evangelist coming to town, and his name was Joe Mark. And at 24, in my lowest place, I decided to attend that tent revival meeting. And it went from Sunday morning until Wednesday night. And I think that by Wednesday night, the evangelist preached through the whole book of Romans. And by Wednesday night, I found myself in the fetal position 
on the floor of that tent. And I basically cried out to God and I said, I've made a mess of this, haven't I? Will you take me back? Will you do something with this life? Because I've messed it up. And I didn't hear an audible voice, but I believe that the, the Heavenly Father took me back, but it wasn't like I, I stopped being His Son. It's just our relationship or our fellowship had a brand new start. And I really love the story that Jesus tells about the prodigal son. And sometimes in Christian circles it can be cliché. But I don't think it is. I, I truly believe that I was a prodigal. And that doesn't mean that I'm perfect now. I just mean that I'm intentional about my relationship with him. And I love the passage because um, the original text in Greek, it says that when the father of the prodigal um, saw his son because he was waiting with eager anticipation for the return. It says that the father ran to him when he saw him from a distance and he fell on his son's neck. And um, I have that picture in my head that when I decided to, um, when I decided to, right? <laughs> when I decided to come back to the father, you know, he was waiting with anticipation for me. And when I just gave a couple steps, he, he came running and fell on me. And that's the picture that I have on that Wednesday evening uh, with me in the fetal position of on the floor of that tent. And so um, that's kind of like my faith journey. And now I'm 41 and it hasn't been easy, but it's been awesome. And um, I think that at 24, it was for me receiving uh, the father back and he received me but it was also me owning the faith that my parents wanted to instill in me or press upon me, you know, because that's what they knew. They, they knew the world and then they saw the light and they knew that the darkness was, was corrupt and, and evil. And they wanted to, and, and that little um, Baptist church and that little school was their way to safeguard us not having to experience me and my brother not having to experience the hell and the sorrow and the chaos and the evil and, and the hurt that they experienced. So I'm okay with that. That might have been a long answer, but <laughs> no, you're getting um, I'm still processing it and I'm still trying to understand it. But every time I talk about it, it gives me the chills. Um, I say, who am I? You know, who am I? I'm nobody, but in Christ, I'm somebody, and um, I'm a child of the King. Bottom line, God is awesome, dude. Jesus Christ is amazing, and the Spirit is empowerment, and it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's like, uh, this is crazy to think, man. It's like, you know, who is God? Like, the fact, it's a miracle. Like, you know, the, the miracle is not the fact that, you know, He saves with he saves some, but the fact that he saves it all, because I mean, like, he's holy, he's righteous, he can do whatever he wants to do. I mean, he didn't have to send Jesus, but he chose to out of love. And you know, it's good that we have a father who's willing to initiate with his children to the point that he'll set up blocks in front of you so you can't purposely go too far. Like, you know, you can never pass his hand of grace. Like, there's no point of like depravity that you can reach that he's not able to reach into and pull you out of you know and i love that so much about jesus like i mean looking at paul's life you know he murdered christians for a living and he hated the fact that you know people were worshiping jesus he thought they were a terrible sect but come to actually meet the person of god on the road to damascus and it's like he had one of those let god die moments and then, like, his whole life radically changed to the point where he died for the faith that he was persecuting. And I'm like, you don't see that anywhere else. 
I heard it said recently, you know, just like the who am I that you brought up a few times. A lot of the time that leads to, gosh, who in the world is this God that like actually values me? You know, that's not just a matter of like, who are we? But like, who is this God? Yeah, I like that. That's Mm -hmm. good. So uh, with uh, thinking about like the concept of like, let God die, just seeing like everyone's story as an evolution of like, seeing God one way and that picture, that perception completely changing. How, what do you see as like a big, big way that that's played out in your life? Like with your story? I like your, the concept that you guys have going here, you know? And, um, when I first heard it, I was like, what, you know, kind of like back in the day when I saw an officer negative patch and it said, God, God's not dead. Um, and, um, I'm, I'm like, how did these two things work together? Let God die and God's not dead. You know, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is that God did die, you know, and he did it for us in our place. And the currency is, is something that blows my mind, the price that was paid. So, um, Jesus said to the father, Hey, if there's any other way, remove this cup. But he willingly went to the cross for us. And I think, you know, even that happened over 2,000 years ago. And I think what we've done is we've raped what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we've used and abused um, his name. And we used and abused what he came to do. Um, And um, shame on us. But we're only human. So I, I believe that um, the ideas and the politics and the corruption and the mess that we've got ourselves into needs to be destroyed and needs to be slit at the throat. And so if that's what... Um, let God die is that the correct phrase Mm -hmm. if that's what that means correct me if I'm wrong but then um, we should be about the father's business and um, and trying our best with the, the help of Jesus Christ by his spirit to help people see that their perception of who God is maybe no matter where they're coming from might need to be reevaluated and yeah reexamined i'm not sure if you're familiar with like the nine inch Nails song uh god is dead and no one cares yeah i heard that one time years back i think i've only heard it once and it just stuck with me um and at the time i was just like gosh man it like it, i don't know anytime i hear things like that it really does just break my heart just like that that's that that's kind of like the general consensus is just that yeah, in society, you know, like God is kind of like this thing of the past for a lot of people or um, just a worldview, a way of looking at the world. And just like, yeah, if there's a God, I want nothing to do with him, you know. I wouldn't say that that's like the basis of the ministry or where the name comes from, but I think it did have an influence in some kind of way where, uh, yeah, there was just a shift in me where I was like, man, like, the fact that so many people do just like think of God as this like dead concept, um, like proves to me that like people haven't experienced the real God, you know, um, where I don't know, I don't know what it's like with other societies, but I I think like in American Christianity, when it comes down to it, like most people have like this background of like who God is, um, in some type of way or or, or fashion. And a lot of the time it's based on things that just have no foundation um, and things that uh, are just like kind of tossed around, phraseology that's tossed around that sounds good or that uh, sounds comforting, um, but uh, might not be based on any biblical truth. I I think there are a lot of like different areas that it comes from, but like for me personally, uh, growing up in... uh, in, I mean, and this isn't to fault anyone that was like a, an influence on my life, but I just saw a walk with God as it's a way that you believe 
like to try to better yourself, to feel good about yourself and to feel secure about like where you're headed. Um, but then when I actually experience God, um, in a way that I, you know, can't really even put words to like there, there were times that I, uh, I felt like my experiences might not have lined up with what I knew of the God of the Bible. Um, but deep down I was like, but I have experienced something supernatural that I, I feel like it would be dishonest with myself to deny that. Um, so I really came to a point of trying to dive into, or like, who is the God of the Bible? You know, like, as much as I can without an agenda, God speak to me. You know, uh, change the, the beliefs that I have if, if they need to be stripped down. Um, and it turned out that when I really delved into it, that the God of the Bible lined up far, 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 far more with my experiences than I ever thought. Um, and that a lot of uh, my misunderstandings of who God was came from just things that people said, um, well-intentioned people, you know, um, or just like under the surface messages um, that were given about like what it means to follow God, where emphasis is put even like with the way that we speak a lot of the time. So I don't know if that yeah. quite answered that. No, that's good. You're supposed to be at asking the questions, but this is good, man. It better, um, it helps me to better understand you guys, your heart, and what you've been called to do. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that. It, it, like then too, like you're saying, like you uh, let God die, like lowercase g, so that God can live, like you know, big G. Uh, growing up in the church myself, I grew up in a like small Baptist church, and you know, we all had our own perceptions of who God was because like we, I feel like our church didn't really have a lot of heavy like biblical background i felt like it was more just do this don't do that do this don't do that but you know or maybe at the time i was so young i couldn't really appreciate it but um we're all called as believers to you know, take every thought captive under the word of god you know cast on lofty imaginations and things like that and i feel like a lot of people who began a walk with jesus somewhat or have like a church background forget that part of scripture Whereas, like, you know, your thoughts are constantly having to be conformed into the mind of Christ. And they feel like, all right, well, once I come to Jesus, it all should just click. And the fact that it doesn't kind of discourages them to, like, you know, well, maybe I had it figured out. Well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this whole thing is wrong. When really, like, God is willing and ready to reveal himself to you. But it's going to take a series of next steps for you to really get your faith built up and solidified to a point where you can stand on it. I think my heart... Um has been and going along with that uh really for maybe the last 10 years or so has really been to like encourage fellow christians just to continue growing in their faith um where i feel like there was a long time where i was stagnant uh, of course like still i'm human so i go through times of being stagnant so for me there were like long 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 time periods of being stagnant that i thought kind of like what calvin was saying like i should be getting this by now you know like like, if I belong to Christ, like, why am I still struggling with these things? Um, even if it was just, like, doubts in my mind or just feeling like, yeah, I've figured this God thing out, you know? Like, where does this take me now? Um, and uh, just kind of falling into, like, not continuing that journey, but just, like, standing still. Um, so, yeah, my heart has been for, like, just challenging other believers to continue growing and just to one thing that I ask myself like every day is am I becoming more surrendered um, or am I becoming like more selfish you know and that's something that I just try to keep in mind I just want to encourage others to continue on and uh, growing in their walks with Jesus I think a lot a large part of that comes down to recognizing that a lot of uh, a lot of our beliefs on what it means to follow God could be based on Things that we think are like quote unquote promises, you know, like I don't know how many uh, guys I know that are like in their mid 20s that very much have this uh, mindset of if I do what's right right now, like God's going to bring a smoking hot girl in my life, you know, like I mean, like, but that's like really the expectation that that a lot well, of people he did have. that for me. <laughs> <laughs> Like that whole passage from Psalms, like, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I feel like it's one that's constantly misquoted a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the fact that if you're, if you are lining yourself up with like God's heart, like your desires are going to be his desires. So you're not going to be asking him for stuff that's like out of whack. 
obviously I do believe that God does that in some people's lives, you know, but like yeah. what, what God does in one person's life is not like necessarily the case for everybody, you know? All right. So Shane, if you were to complete the sentence, like I used to see God in this way, but now I see him in this way. Um, what would you say to that? Yeah, I would say that I used to believe God to be a heavy handed father, you know, just waiting for me to screw up. So he could kick me back in line. But that isn't the case at all. I now see my Heavenly Father as the one who ran to me when I left him. I kind of think of him as the father that I want to be to my children, you know? Like if I come home from a long day and I walk in the door, you know, I want to open my arms and have my kids run into my arms, you know? I don't want them to feel like if I come in the the house after a long day and I open up my arms, I'm there to smack them because they messed up at school that day, you know? Mm -hmm. I want it to be where they can always come to me. And um, I think that's the the mind shift that I experienced, you know, after I went my own way and he allowed me to. It's kind of the way I think of it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, like, with God being described as father. Um, I mean, I've had some friends, like, without a father figure or with, you know, an absent father figure who that's, like, meant the world to them and it just clicked. Then I had others who... You know, like they just thought of like the father that they did have, and that image just completely wrecked them because they're like, "Oh, if if God's a father, I don't want anything to do with him." Um, what do you think is one of the biggest uh, misunderstandings of God as a father? A father speaks truth and love, and sometimes a father has to discipline. And it's the hardest thing that I have to do as a father. You know, discipline my children and, you know, cause them to have emotional hurt or whatnot. But if I didn't, then they wouldn't grow and develop. So if I see things in them that need to change, or I believe they do, maybe their character or their habits or their attitude, you know, if my wife and I didn't step in to help correct that, and sometimes correction hurts, I think that's one of the mis conceptions that we have of the Father. I mean, I could say that, you know, just as I say, I love my kids so much that I will not allow them to treat another human being with disrespect, so I will correct them. And I think on a larger scale and a huge perspective that we sometimes don't like to think about or talk about, but the, the Heavenly Father loves us so much that he'll, he has our best interests in mind and he'll do whatever he needs to in order to correct us, to mold us, to refine us, and we have to be okay with that. So the loving hand can also be a hand of correct. The other hand can be one of correction. And I think that um, too many earthly fathers have been too heavy-handed in their discipline or their abuse and um, I hate for for my Heavenly Father to be viewed as a militant, heavy-handed God just waiting for us to screw up. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that that could be a misconception. I think it's kind of cool how, like, God is, like, the perfect demonstration, like, the Heavenly Father is the perfect demonstration of what it means to have, like, discipline and love, like, you know, because he is, like, he's Lord and Father, and, like, in his character, they perfectly meet, and, like, on earth, like, you don't really see that often, like, you either see, like you said, like, the heavy-handed aspect where, like, God, the military drill sergeant from, like, Full Metal Jacket, (laughs) or you see, like, you know, Barney, 
father where it's just like, oh, you just, I just love you so much. You can just do whatever you want. And, you know, I'll just you just come back here and I'll just love you through it. Like, you know, you can stab a few people, but I'll still love you. Like, you know, like I love the fact that like in the Heavenly Father, we have that balance of both. Where like if you blew it and you know you blew it, you can sit down on the couch with pop and just like I wrecked junk today. And he'll be like, I know, but I still love you. And this is why, you know, doing things this way ends this way. And like I put before you life and death, like choose life. You know, I'm glad that he can have that. You can have that kind of openness with him. Like, you know, you don't have to be afraid to, you know, express weakness because he enjoys that. He delights to part his mercy on those who seek him in. And I think that's really cool. And it's, it's helped me in my faith, like to continue to walk. And it's been encouraging. How would you like define discipline? Discipline is loving correction, or, or correction that is done in love, true love. And so, um, um, that's the way, that, that's my quick answer. And um, I, I'm okay with, okay, so where I'm at with my relationship with the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, is I know because my relationship with him is at a place um, where it is, I know that my best interest is in his mind and he is holy, righteous, true, and loving and all-powerful. So I have to, as his child, submit to him and trust him So, and, and be okay with, if I'm screwing up, you have license and liberty to help correct me because you see a bigger picture here and you may see uh, a means to an end or, or a destination on a, on a path that I'm traveling on that I don't see. So please discipline me and correct me. And so um, if, it's, if, if the relationship is, is a reciprocating relationship of love where he is father and I am son, then I have to trust him um, and submit. Like God, discipline, discipline, usually people think of punishment, you know, but like wording it that way, loving correction, you know, I mean, I think that's true. <laughs> um, just that the, the purpose of discipline is to point in the right direction, not just to say, you know, you screwed up. Yeah, steering the alternative. I mean, like... <laughs> To tell someone they're on the wrong path and not point them in the right direction, I feel like is where a lot of people have experienced hurt in the church. Where like, you know, you can tell me everything that I've been doing wrong with my life, but you have never presented before me like any type of alternative. You know, and um, I feel like a lot of people shrink at the word submit, which is like, you know, almost like a swear word nowadays. Like, you know, I don't submit to anybody. But like the fact that, yeah, like you said, the father is kind, like he's righteous and he knows all things like our submission to him is 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 first of all grace driven i feel like because you understand who god is you're able to submit and you desire to because you know he's gonna like preserve your life and that's what he wants to do i feel like submission is such like a bad it feels like such a it has such a bad connotation to it but really it's what keeps us going what is uh what does community look like around here i know it's kind of shifting gears but so we, we are having a um, music festival going on this weekend. Some people are starting to, to get here, and that's, that's what community is. It's um, <laughs> um, allowing, um, not knowing always what's going to come next. And it's, um, it's allowing people, giving people grace for their, their faults. And this is, this is one thing about community, because I think we throw that word around a lot. I think that we as human beings truly crave it. We crave it, crave it, but we're not willing to place both feet in it because what we do want with community is we want people to encourage us, to love us, to pray for us, to give us, you know, um, if they have two coats, give us one, you know, uh, help prepare a meal for us. But in community, it's also, it's giving, not just receiving. And um, true community, what I'm, what I'm learning is allowing people, in, letting your guard down, allowing people to speak into your life and tell and, and bring into light weaknesses and faults 
and you being okay with that because it's it's all a part of growth and if if I didn't let my guard down and allow people into my mind and heart then I there would be areas in my life that would see wouldn't ever see growth because I am isolated or closed off so it's giving and receiving and it's it's dropping guards and, and allowing people in that's kind of what I'm learning about community right now but as far as overall a community of faith it's founded and based and centered on Jesus Christ and he is the perfect one with a capital P and we are imperfect broken people like moths to a flame um, coming to him and experiencing um, him through the gifts, talents, ideas, thoughts of other people. I think that we are definitely throwing it around a lot and it's a good thing. You know, like mega churches, well, they, I talk to their small groups or community pastors, and their big thing is how do we get people on a Sunday morning to actually be a part of a small group or a Bible study during the week because we need each other during the week. And I'd say that's true. You know, that is definitely true. And how do we do that? How do we be the church, not just on Sunday for a couple hours, but be the church with each other on a seven-day basis when we're busy, we're tired, we're depressed, we're lonely, we're isolated. When somebody figures it out, let me read the book, the paper, you know, but I'd say that we're trying to do community the way we believe we've been called and we fail, but it's better to fail and keep trying and keep inviting and trying to be all-inclusive, which is a very hard thing to do. So... I'd say that people are jumping into the community here at, and they're at different levels. You know, mm-hmm. some are just dipping their big toe in the water going, what is this? Who is this God? What is this faith? Who are these people? Is this a cult? <laughs> but other people have jumped in the deep end and um, they're willing to, you know, flail a little bit and um, ask other people to, to hold them accountable and hold them up. It's really cool. Yeah, I've always been blown away by the community here, just as I've experienced it. Um, seems like the people that I, that I meet are really raw and just real. Um, and uh, really, really, really care about each other from what I can see. Would you say that like you seeing God as a father, like a loving, correcting father, has influenced the way that you've pastored the community here and the way that you see the people that come through the doors and whatnot. Yeah. And this is a humbling thing. It's extremely, it's extremely humbling for me. But just yesterday there was, there were a couple of young girls, maybe in their mid twenties. And I, I came walking around the corner and they said, Hey dad. And you know, um, for some people, like you talked about, who don't have a, a positive or a healthy earthly father. And I'm not saying, I'm not, believe me, I'm not saying that I could ever, ever yeah. like, <laughs> step into that role for them. But I do think that me being a little bit older and me being for people and a, a cheerleader for people and an encourager to people, I think that, you know, for some people to say, I, I view him as a spiritual father is, is humbling for me, but it's a role that I would gladly, or a, a, a vocation, or a ministry that I would gladly receive. There was, there is a, um, a conference called Unified Underground that usually takes place near Baltimore, Maryland, and we it was like the last day of the conference, and it's a music fest, and it's 
they you know bring in speakers and there's workshops and community and just hangouts and whatnot. And we've been going since like 2009. But anyway, there was a gentleman there by the name of Dan Green, and I call him Father Dan. And uh, we were worshiping, and I, you know how sometimes you're in a, a, a place of worship and you're just like all in, you know. And all of a sudden, I feel this person come up behind me and put their arms around me. And and many people who know who know me know that I don't like. Sometimes I don't like to be touched. You know, I like to have my space <laughs> and whatnot. So him coming up behind me, Father Dan, and him embracing me and whispering in my ear, you are a spiritual father So for so many children. And I just lost it, you know. I was like, oh my gosh, dude, stop. <laughs> just stop talking. And, and you know what, he just said that. I broke, you know, and I felt like just, like, I don't know, like he was holding me up, you know, and um, I uh, I appreciated that. It was both uncomfortable and comforting at the same time, and um, so if, if I can be something like that for another person, for them to come to and ask a question, or they're in a time of depression or pain, and we can talk through it and help process through that, then so be it. I I would gladly love to be that for someone. A spiritual father to my own children as well. You know, not just a biological father, but a healthy spiritual father. And I think that, you know, they're only 12 and 10, but I hope that they still, you know, come to me and tell me everything. We'll see. You know, come check back in with me at the end of adolescence when they're like 26 or whatnot. But that's my hope and my prayer. But do you have any like final thoughts? I do. And you can use this or not. Hmm. But I'm thinking of, you know, kind of like what we've been talking about with Heavenly Father and discipline and wayward children and going our own way and wanting what we want when we want it. And it reminds me of the story in the Old Testament in Scripture where here we have Moses, you know, and he's hanging out on the mount with God. And God's people recently, they, they saw the power of, of God as he split the Red Sea and allowed them to, to walk on dry land and destroy their enemies as they were pursuing them, to bring them back into captivity. And Moses is with God and saw the backside of him. And he received these he received these commandments, if you will, of how to treat God and how to treat others and Moses comes down off that mount and what does he see but he sees the children of God have they have constructed a golden image a golden calf they took all of their 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 gold and their earrings their bracelets and anything that they could find and melted it down and constructed think about that they constructed a golden calf because they believed God was silent they believed that God wasn't as powerful as he once was or they just needed something tangible something to see to worship and Moses comes down off that mount right and um, he um, he sees all of this and then um, God's people are punished for it they are forced to grind down the golden calf and scripture actually says that they were forced to drink it, to consume it. And then there was an onslaught of punishment. Going off of who you guys are, and what you feel called to do, and what you feel called to communicate, I think the God that we need to let die is the golden calf that we, as God's children, have constructed. And that's the lowercase g, that golden calf. 
that is the God that I want to see ground up and consumed and then expelled. Because um, if we as the church have constructed something that is not of God, that is unholy, that God is not in, and we have, because of money or politics or whatever else, have constructed this and, and forced people to worship it, then that's the God that needs to be destroyed, and that's the one that needs to die, because um, it's only God's grace that we aren't destroyed, because we have wandered from the Father and have chosen to worship other idols or put other things on the on the mantle of our heart where only God should rest and reside and reign and rule. So um, that's my, if anything, that's my closing thought that let God die then. That's what I said. I appreciate you guys just letting me talk a little bit and record it and hear your heart, your ministry, and, and then you even ask me, you know, about this community of faith and what God's been doing in my life. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for sitting down with us. Um, and, uh, for anyone who is passing through Grand Rapids or lives in this area, take hold church, like love this area. And, uh, from the first time I came here, I felt like it was just family very much just like come as you are. I feel like I'm not sugarcoating things, but just like, yeah, if you're a person who like wants to do life with other people, you know, like I just feel welcome here. So if anyone wants to check out the church, what's the best way to do it? A a good place to start would be uh, a Sunday morning worship service. That would be kind of like seeing a little bit. Um, And uh, that's at 1030 in the morning. Um, But, you know, you can find us online and whatnot at takeholdchurch.org. I'm really trying to follow Jesus and invite other people to follow him with us and that's not always going to be you know an easy thing to do or a perfect thing but um, all are welcome I mean um, to to show up or hang out for sure alright thanks so much Shane appreciate yeah. it yeah, thank you guys alright thanks so much for listening if you want to check out further information or follow us you can go to letgoddie.com Follow us on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, and on the website itself, there's a little support tab if you'd like to help us out to uh, cover the costs associated with the podcast. That would be great. Please join us next week. We'll be releasing the episode with Dan Wickstrom from Furnace Creek. So until then, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it.